0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season to all of you this Monday, February the 21st, as the light of Jesus shines on us as we study and pray Psalm 15. Yes, we are back in the Psalms. What I have done for quite a while or since I've started really is when we get between books or we've been in a book for a long time, we'll take a step back and pray. And, and how often do we need to be reminded of that in our Christian walk with the Lord is that we're, we're going forward, we're doing the work, we're getting this done and that done. And at the end of the day, you might ask the question, have I prayed? And that happens so much. So we're taking a short break for the Gospel of Matthew. Like I've said before, we are slowly going through Matthew so that we will end Matthew at the end of Easter. Not the end of Easter, but the week after Easter, which will be a real blessing since we started in December. But right now we take that, that step back and pray Psalm 15, a Psalm of David who reminds us of our need to be holy um, get this holiness from the Lord. So I'm excited to be able to do this today, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit visit their website, lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org helping us to be strengthened by God's word. We welcome here for the first time, Pastor Tyrell Bramwell of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California. Pastor Bramwell, happy epiphany and welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you
0: today. So, Pastor, this is our first time together. Uh, Tell us about yourself, your family and the work of the saints at St. Mark.
1: Of course. Yeah, Pastor Bramwell here at, uh, like you said, St. Mark in Ferndale. We are, on, we are the farthest west you can go in the lower 48 before you hit the ocean. We are the farthest western uh, church in the Synod and uh, the farthest western uh, community in the country. So that's kind of neat. And uh, we're behind what they call the Redwood Curtain. So we're deep in the Redwood uh, trees. There were saplings when our Lord was walking this earth which is fascinating to me. Every time I see them, I look up at these giants and I'm reminded of our good and gracious, our giant God who takes care of everything for us. So that's, that's cool too. Um, so that's a little bit about our setting. And I'm here in this beautiful community, small, lovely church in a Victorian community, Victorian village, as we call it, uh, some his, history, which, you know, uh, well, maybe you don't, I'm a, a huge history guy. I love the traditions and the, and the richness of our past. And so it just works really well hmm. for serving a community of saints who are tuned into uh, what we've received from the apostles before us all the way down through history. So that, that helps my preaching and teaching, but so does my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica is my bride and she's also uh, here um, you know, with me and she teaches. She's a, she's a first and second grade teacher in a Christian school uh, wow. helping to shape the, uh, the young saints and uh, just having a, a great time doing that. And we have been blessed with two wonderful children. I have an 18-year-old son, Jonas, and a 16-year-old daughter, Bethany, who uh, love to keep me on my toes through these teenage years and are just uh, reminding me of the joy of being a father to come with uh, these wonderful blessings that God has given us to steward. So that's it. As far as the family, the congregation is a very faithful church, We're a small group of saints that love gathering together um, and and, and witnessing to the people around us in our small little town, but also in our community at large, the county around us. Humboldt County is kind of notorious. Uh, 60% of America's illegal marijuana, before California made it legal anyway, that's the last stat, 60% of it comes out of our little county here. Um, So you can imagine the culture around us isn't, this quaint little Victorian village all around. It's not Rockwellian. You're not going to see it on the Saturday evening post. Uh, it's more like high Times is where you're going to want to find that. <laughs> but, um, so we have our work cut out for us. It's good where there's people hurting. There's an uh, opportunity for the gospel to go out. And we, as a congregation, just rejoice that the Lord is keeping us around and, and giving us a voice to do that.
0: Well, thanks be to God for that, Pastor. I am looking at the map currently And you're right. I mean, this is something where I'm like, wait a second, how was, how was the the West Coast, you know, here in Minnesota, we don't, we don't think of California unless we're flying to San Diego or something. And then we're like, okay, otherwise we don't think of it. But you're right. I encourage our listeners to look at the map. And yeah, the you're in the lower forty-eight, it is Ferndale is the furthest west that you can possibly get. I would never thought of that before. I've learned something today, and obviously we'll learn something <laughs> about scripture as well. So, pastor, yeah,
1: if um, listeners, if they're ever out here in this way, you know, it's it's something to, to know. You have a faithful church to come to if you're kind of visit the redwoods if you want to take a dip in the Pacific, whether you're coming out of Minnesota or wherever, we're here for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to mention the Redwoods and then bring up somehow Star Wars connections. Um, to well, there the is Red that. Woods, oh, well, I'm too. glad you. Uh, huh, huh.
1: I, I'll leave that for another show. But that is, there is a connection to that. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, we'll leave that for now since we're here for the word of God. But today we're going to do Thank it a you. little bit differently. Um, First of all, if you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now that we're back in the Psalms, how we usually begin is that it's important for us to think of praying the Bible that we do a lot of uh, prayers that we just pray on our way and work and, and before we go to bed and, and, and those kind of things. And we have other written down prayers like in our hymnal, um, prayers like Luther's morning and evening prayer. All of these are faithful prayers as they point us to Jesus, but also the Psalms and other parts of Scripture we can use as prayer. And that's something that I've learned quite a bit about. I'm reading a book called "Praying the Bible" by a Baptist a gentleman named Donald Whitney, and and he really focuses in on all prayer is good. Like he does not make a distinction, like oh that's good, this is bad. But he does emphasize that we can get lost in our own prayers, and so the opportunity for us to pray the Psalms is a blessing that our Lord has given to us. And I want to hear more from Pastor Bramwell after we pray. So I encourage you, listeners, that we're at Psalm 15. And when we read this psalm out loud, to treat it like a prayer, praying to the Lord, and as we know in God's word, the Holy Spirit fills us and we can see Christ. So we begin today by praying Psalm 15, and we will end with the Gloria Patri. Psalm 15, a psalm of David. O Lord Yahweh, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly, And does what is right, and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue, and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Who swears to his own hurt, and does not change. Who does not put out his money at interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Now, as we hear these words from the Psalms. I want to take kind of a step back from that even. Is Psalms are, well, we know them. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of Psalms, 150 of them. Why are the Psalms important to the Christian and to the body of Christ as they gather for the divine service?
1: Well, as we look at the individual Christian, this, this psalm in particular is a great one to use as an example of this. Um, sometimes we can, as a personal, individual saying to the Lord, in our own personal prayers, we can get lost in our, our thoughts, which come out of our dark heart, our black heart, our sinful heart. We can get lost in uh, being influenced by the pop culture around us the things we think are God's ways and the, the way the Lord would have us interact with him and with others. And that's a danger. And so the, the praying the Psalms, being in the Psalms, helps keep us grounded as individuals, helps form our personal prayers to our father in heaven as his dear children, each of us individuals. As you were uh, praying that this came to me in, in verse four, when it says that, you know, Talking about this, this person who despises the vile person. This isn't language we normally think about when we think about Christians. That we we are to uh, the language is a little rough here, but bear with me. We are to hate what the Lord hates, right? Mm. So when we see sin, the sins in our own lives, the sins of our our family, our friends, the sins on, on the news, whatever, we are called to despise that. And so this prayer helps us to learn you pray for that. Lord, help me. Help me despise what you despise. And and conversely, help me to to keep holy and to adore, to honor, as the next part of the verse says, what you would have us honor, uh, including those who fear you. So that, you know, for the individual, that also works for for the corporate church. But for the individual, that's really important that we don't just recess into our own heart and try to pray, you know, these extemporaneous prayers. And, and this is, this is good. It's good to pray what's on your mind and what's going on there to ask for the particular needs you have in that moment, always do that kind of thing. But at the same time to, to you know, put a foundation underneath that tower of prayer, that's important. Um, I'm reminded of what one, one of my elders here says at St. Mark. Uh, he's always reminding the people to be in the word because it's being in the word that teaches us our Lord's will and his way. And that's so true for prayer. We don't need, we don't know how to pray, pray unless we're taught. We need to be taught how to pray. And so the Lord does that with the Lord's Prayer, of course. But uh, we also have this entire book, all 150 of these, right? Teaching us how to pray in certain ways. We have prayers for comfort and prayers for thanksgiving and prayers for uh, instruction on things, pray, Prayer is about praying. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> And so for the corporate, there's a shift here to the second part of your question, right? Corporately, as we come together as a congregation, these words that are on our lips individually and in our hearts individually also unite us. They, this is very com- communicant, right? This is this is a community. So it's drawing us into the Lord's communion. Uh, emphasizing that language, is so important that we, we realize that our communion with the Lord is also with His people. Wherever He is, His people are... Uh, and so we think about the Lord's altar, Lord's table, and how we receive that in that sacrament. But we also receive it in prayer. We are participating in that daily in prayer. It is, it is re- so reassuring and so inspiring for me to know that I can pray a prayer that David prayed, a mm-hmm. prayer that the Lord gave David, remembering that, you know, David didn't pray these prayers extemporaneously either. These aren't These aren't just sort of his prayers. These are Christ's prayers given to him for his benefit, but for They are corporate in nature that way. This is the prayer book of the Bible. Saints from all time, deep into the Old Testament, have been praying these prayers. And so there's a very corporate aspect to it that is uniting, not only for the people that gather at, you know, here at St. Mark, but for your saints with us, too, it, it, in there in Minnesota and for all the listeners everywhere you go to church. We're all praying the same thing when we're praying the Psalms. That's comforting, but not, not, not only uh, geographically, but also uh, in time. We're praying the same prayers the faithful have prayed throughout history, and the same prayers the faithful will pray as history continues, if the Lord does decide to, uh, to delay a little longer. That, that is amazing, and I don't know why anybody would want to dismiss it, and I don't think anybody would intentionally. So uh, we just need to be reminded we have this wonderful resource and it's there in our, in our liturgy, right? I mean, we see it all the time. We see the Psalms. If you look at the little footnotes, the little uh, on the, in on the margins, the right side, you'll you see so many uh, Psalm references and we get it in the intro. We get it in the gradual. Uh, there's the Psalm that you can use instead of the gradual if you want. It's everywhere. It, it literally is what dad is telling us to say back to him. It's how we kids learn how to speak by listening to our Father.
0: And so, as we gather in worship, there there is a tendency, and and I have this, I've had this tendency in my life because, you know, I'm I, I think I'm I think I'm ADD in, in many ways, and so you kind of like, oh my gosh, we're gonna do more praying. I mean, come on, I've been standing, I'm busy, <laughs> all this kind of all these things, and it is quite telling exactly what you're saying is that th- this is this is the handbook of prayer. Um, I, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember the reference offhand, but it definitely was, you know, all 150 Psalms encompass all of scripture. And so it's a mm-hmm. way of praying the fullness of what scripture has to say. Um, and so it really, it brings us to the, you have to be reminded of this. Like you said, even in the worship service, that all of a sudden the church adds the intro. You're like, what is going on? The service is already <laughs> too long, you know? Um, so I think it's very, like you just said so wonderfully, is to remind us, of the, the God working through that. God, our Father, giving us the words of how we should speak to Him. And within that, it's well it's all gift and what a joy that is. So pastor it,
1: You're ahead. absolutely right. And you you know that that reminds me too, another way that this is uh takes the burden off. It makes the yoke of Christ light, as you said that. Ah, yeah. Um we we don't have to in our rush business, busy day, you know, in our, all the things we have going on, all the things we put on our own shoulders we can end up being just like you had said, right? Uh, oh, now we're going to pray some more or, or even personally, now I'm expected to pray or I, I can't forget my prayers. I got to think of what to pray. Uh, it becomes law, right? It becomes heavy, but here you don't have to think of what to pray. Come to the Lord with a, a clean slate, come and say, Lord, teach me to pray and then pray the psalm Like you just did. I mean, we, we started the show with Psalm 15 as a prayer. You didn't have to prepare that you have to think of that I didn't have to think of it nobody had to think of it the Lord gave it to us and so we in that way you can you can treat this as a relief valve this is gospel mm-hmm. this is for you this is a, 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 stop you know we want we to won't stop treating it like something we have to do uh, it's, it's something that we get to do it's done for us even by Christ oh thanks for that pastor so thanks for tuning my mind into that.
0: Well, as we keep our eyes focused on the word and prayer and ultimately on Christ, let's, let's dig in a little bit at a time. And I think the first verse definitely sets the tone for the rest of our time. Basically, there, there's a number of different formats that I've seen, and it really shows us that verse 1 is kind of the filter for the rest and description mm-hmm. of, and we have to decide, what is this? The holy hill. So verse 1, I'll read. O Lord... Who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? So, Pastor, any background or anything you want to break down as we look at verse
1: 1 and what it means for the rest of our psalm? Yeah, of course. Um, and this is, this is great because it's very catechetical for us. We, we're beginning with a question, right? And we're, gonna, we're then going to dive into the answer that comes after it. So we start with, you know, what does this mean? It's, it's a very Lutheran thing. Um, we had this initial inquiry. Now, with this inquiry, uh, it's, it's amazing. We have sort of an implied, sort of a there's a supposition that there is something to do. There is some. There is a, a sort of a program to follow in order to be able to sojourn in the Lord's tent in order to dwell on His hill. It's built into the question. But not only that, there's also this implied, um, you know, eschatology. There's this implied. Coming of the end. This is is implied where we want to be, where we recognize right now. I'm not dwelling where I would like. I would like to actually be dwelling on the Lord's holy hill. So it's built into this this question. And again, this goes back to our introduction with the you know why should we even be praying like this? Did did anybody think about that before they started praying this this prayer? No, probably not. But there's even more. Right? Um, There is invariably answered in this question there is this command we're, we're asking the lord lord command me what to do just like we get with the great commission the end of matthew oh sorry you haven't got that far um we want <laughs> to we want to we, we say lord what is it we're to do and, and he says this is my command You know, go and do this and so we're asking let me pause for a second as i think about that and as i, I want to express this for the listeners because it's, it's nourishing for myself we oftentimes shift into thinking um, we're being told what to do by the yeah. Lord. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this is us asking, Lord, this is a, a healthy relationship. I want to do what you would command of me. It is not going to be a burden. Please, Lord, reveal the way. Okay? So um, right away in this question, we're getting that sort of tone. God, I, I want to be better than I am right now. I want to, to live your way, not my way. I want to live a holy on a holy hill not in this sinful pit that I dwell in now. I want to be a sojourner in your tent. And, uh, you know, you can think about this, kind of simplify it. You want to, you want to reside, you want to live in the Lord's tent. There is a language of movement and sojourn, right? This journey. And we get that in verse two, we're going to get this language of walking. So uh, there's something to that for all of us to understand that we are on a journey, that every day we are, we are progressing, moving towards something. Um, whether you want to admit it or not, you're going to die eventually. Uh, and if, you, if the Lord comes back before you die, you're, you're still heading toward heaven. It's, there isn't, there's something coming you know, after, right now, even if it's second by second. And so this, this living, this residing, this journeying in the tent. You want to be in the tent all the time. Isn't that fascinating? We don't ever want to leave the presence of the Lord. It's like, it's like transfiguration. Thank yeah. you, right? mm-hmm. It's good for us to be here, Lord. I'm going to make a tent. I'm going to stay. Yeah. Can I just pop it up right here? <laughs> uh, this kind of a thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Luther, Luther really puts this this psalm. I love this. In the first 31 psalms, Luther likes to put uh, which commandment and which petition yep. of the Lord's prayer goes with them. And so Luther says that this this Psalm 15 goes, it belongs to the third commandment, and it belongs to the third petition. Mm. And so, for the sake of the theme of praying, we're gonna we're gonna kind of jump to the third petition, mm-hmm. for the hearer's sake, uh, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're asking for here with this first verse is how do I do Your will, Lord? It's it's the same thing as what the Lord tells us in the third petition, and then we're gonna get the answer to that as we move forward, or yet yeah, move forward in the in the next four verses. We're gonna to start to unpack what. A, a righteous, holy life looks like. Not that we d- we have to do that to earn heaven now. We've got to clear that out of the way, right? This isn't a, mm-hmm. a works righteousness thing. This is, uh, you're living in the tent, this is what it looks like. This is, uh, you're a Christian, you, you, you're you already engaging in God. Remembering, remember, guys, I mean, we can only pray, only Christians can pray, right? You can only pray in Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is the one who empowers us, enables us to be able to pray. He teaches us to pray. He is the one who, who takes our voice, and uh, and in fact, actually, we're, we're, our voices are being brought into his voice. Christ is the prayer. He is the doer of prayer. He's the one on his knees praying. We're brought into his prayer. Our voice, as members of his body, we, we go from a solo to a choir, right? I mean, but we're always praying what he is having us pray, and so um, that clearly helps us see that this is not a a uh, what you must you do to be saved this is i've been saved and now i i long to live the way my lord would have me live so show me that way keep making it clear to me daily keep bringing me back to your faithfulness and this, this question is asked a lot in a lot of different other ways i don't know if we'll have time to go through all of them but you know we can you can look through scripture and you can find different verses where We get that. Maybe most commonly, you might be thinking of, uh, in Acts, right? When, um, Peter preaches his his Pentecost sermon and we get this question of how, what must we do? Right? This idea of what must we do to be saved? There's, there's always for the, for the person who hears the word and that question only comes after hearing the word. The person who has that faith giving word in his heart, it is natural and healthy and right to say, now what? What would you have me do, dad? How would you have me live in your house, dad? What's, what's the game plan here? I just I just want to know so I can do it. I, I want to do it. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall. I'm going to do it horribly, but please tell me how to do it. Please help me keep your will. And so,
0: is, um, can I say one thing about your reference to sure. the small catechism? And this is something that's really been a lot of fun with, with our guests is that you point to the small catechism, and I would say that the the petitions are one of those that we we don't dig into as much of the small catechism. We do, but you know sometimes we, we'll get to, to the three main ones, uh, not three main ones, but other ones, and we kind of skip over, and that's why, as you're speaking, it is fascinating, as Luther points us to the third petition, I just wanted to read real quickly, how is God's will done, is one of the questions. Thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, which really relates with this psalm, When all is God's will done, Luther writes, God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. I mean, think about that, the holiness that he's speaking of here, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. Now, here comes the next part that we desire, not for salvation, like you said so well, but by the help of God, and when he strengthens us and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious will. Like you said, we start mm-hmm. each day, live each day, saying, Lord, help me to live according to your will. Tell me what to say and how to live. And that <laughs> Luther does such a great job with that. I, I kind of wish he would have done it with oh, yeah. all 150 where he would have connected it to the um, the catechism. But, but there it really gathers this with that simple question. Um, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? It is is exactly as he pointed us to the will of God. Now, Pastor, I want to dig more into it, and we will, but right now we need to take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 15 with Pastor Tyrell Bramwell, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 15 with Pastor Tyrell Bramwell of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California, the most Western church in the lower 48 (laughs) states in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now, you know, and uh, and once again, we're pointing our eyes back to Christ. And so Pastor, we've gotten through one verse and you were about to say something for it and interrupted you about the second, uh, third petition, excuse me.
1: So carry on from what you, uh, what no, your thought process is. Sure, sure. No problem. I, I wanted to kind of address, I realized I was referencing it and and kind of alluding to your initial question with the Holy Hill emphasis. I mean, it was yeah. all about this verse, but also the Holy Hill. And I did, I mean, I mentioned heaven, you know, and and, and the eschatology thing there, but I, I wanted to kind of nail that down for listeners that the Holy Hill, this is Zion on the Hill. This is Jerusalem, but not just the earthly Jerusalem. This is the new Jerusalem. Uh, David is very prophetic right here. Christ is giving him these, uh, what will be true, you know, in in his time and day and, and throughout church history, but what we're all looking forward to. So as we pray, Lord, uh, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your Holy Hill? We're asking who shall go to heaven? Who shall be with you in paradise? The new heavens, new earth, when Jerusalem comes down, and, and we're there. Um, this is the holy hill. This is Jerusalem. This is heaven for all those who are listening. And there's a direct connection to it. Um, Psalm 14:7, which is the very last verse of the, the Psalm 14 above it. Now there's a direct connection. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, right? When the Lord restores the fortunes of His people. Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. And so we have this transition here, which is interesting in the organization of the psalm. The first fourteen really have an emphasis on um, the arrogance of the wicked and and the suffering, the suffering of God's servants, in contrast to the arrogance of the wicked. And now, as we get into fifteen, fifteen to thirty-five, these next uh, you know this next section of psalms are really going to kind of start emphasizing for those suffering servants, for God's people, emphasizing their security and their blessing. And it's wonderful that it starts off right here with this, that where do you find your ultimate blessing? Where do you find your ultimate security? Well, it's in that which comes out of the holy hill. It's in that which is in the tent of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, uh, according to John 1, right, tented among us. Tabernacled with us, dwelled with us, who came to us to sojourn among us, to reside among us, that we could then reside and sojourn with Him forever in eternity. So I just wanted to emphasize that because I, I felt like I had forgotten. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. There's <laughs> always something.
0: It's always something that yeah. passes our mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I have before I read the next few verses. There is a place in Wisconsin. My first congregation I served was in Wisconsin. And about a half an hour north of us, which would be about an hour west, maybe a little bit north of Milwaukee, there was this wonderful hill. And on top of that hill was the Holy Hill Basilica, which is it's Roman Catholic. It's a, a, um, a monastery and a church. And and I went up there one time just to kind of get away for a day and, and went up there. And it just, you know, at the pinnacle of this hill was this big, beautiful Church, I think it's a shrine of Mary. I'm not exactly sure how that all works, but <laughs> but it was a beautiful thing. You went in, and there was a definite focus on the heavenly realms. You know, revelation language was definitely throughout. Isaiah six type of language was definitely uh, mm-hmm. in the um, um, in all the pictures and everything. And so that is something that really captures what happens here on earth. Is that when we do go to worship, when we are in the Word of God, whether it's you know Saint Mark or Messiah or your own congregation, it is you're in that holy hill right now, as you said oh, in amen. the future and right now. So, any thoughts on that um, before I move on?
1: Yeah, Well, I, I love to emphasize this with my with my congregation that I have the privilege of serving here. That um, you know, even we have a very small hill, but I like to point out to them that in the sanctuary we do still have a hill that uh, helps teach us this truth and helps orient us toward what's really going on spiritually. And that hill consists of three spread out steps from the main floor in the sanctuary, in the nave where everyone sits in the pews, to before you can get to the altar of the Lord, before you can receive the Lord's sacrament from you know his altar, you have to climb three steps. It's a small hill. It's not Everest, <laughs> but it's a hill. And it communicates that reality. Mm -hmm. that we are uh, in the uh, process of of trying to reach. We want, Lord, teach me how to do this, and he does. Okay, come here. I'm teaching you right now. Come up and receive me. Receive that which is in this tent. So for us, it's uh, one step uh, up to, or two steps up to a flat in the chancel where the baptismal font is, and then there's one more um, right there as you get to um, the altar. So uh yeah, this is reality. I'm uh, so glad to talk about that. This this is now but not yet. Mm. We are already everything we're doing, we are doing as those who are right now in the tent, residing, living, journeying, not to it, but in it. We are we're not seeing it fully, as we're told, right? We we see now dimly, but but we are in it. We do see, and we are we are receiving the Lord's will. And if we're asking father, teach me how to do these things. He is teaching us. That's the joy of being a Christian is we get to come before our Lord. um, And our brother Christ expresses for us how to live and, and does it for us. And then we, we're not burdened with having to follow him. We are overjoyed to be able to walk in our big brother's footsteps, to walk in our father's footsteps, to to do things that we know are God pleasing, Even, even though they're not, um, it's not necessary for our salvation. These certainly are necessary things for our neighbor's salvation as the catechism expresses so well. And um, it's a, it's it's a wonderful economy the Lord has set up that begins with the question. How, Lord, how do I do it? So let's
0: keep moving forward as we find out and the meaning behind the rest of these verses. So we'll do verses two and three. Um, I mean, we could do the rest too, but two and three, I think, connect very well. So verses two and three, David continues in prayer. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. So right away, we hear words that's like, oh boy, blameless, blameless, um, Doing right, speaking truth in his heart, all of this. Um, well, if we look too far, boy, this can be kind of a downer. So, what is David telling us today?
1: Right. Yeah, that blamelessly word really kind of makes people want to check out real quick. Right. Like, oh, that's not me. Um, but, but here in the Hebrew, this this word "tom" is when it's applied to humans, when it's applied to us, men. It doesn't. It's not talking about blameless, like sinless, like Christ was. This blamelessly. This is a word of integrity. This is a word of, of completeness, of soundness. Uh, when it, especially when it's applied to us fallen men, and we get that in, in some different places. You can you can go take a look uh, throughout Scripture. You can see how this is used um, in that regard. Joshua twenty four fourteen is a really good one there, where it just it really emphasizes that he is supposed to be a man of, of sincerity and faith, integrity. And he should be wanting. Noah, too, right? Noah is a, a man who is uh, uh, favored by the Lord. He's not that he's sinless, but he is he's walking according to the Lord's answer to the question. How do we do this? So, real quick, we want to drive the devil away. We want to push him out of the, our hearer's ears this morning. If you're, not, if you're looking at yourself and you're reflecting on your heart and you're seeing sin, you're supposed to. That's right. Good. Good. Mm. You are not expected to be blameless, to be a Christian in the tent. Christ is blameless for you. Remember, he died for you so that you can have integrity. And we do that in the, in the divine service so well. We, we maintain our integrity with this soundness by coming in and right away confessing our sins before the Lord. We're not, we're not uh, lying to ourselves. And that's the next part of this verse, right? And speaks truth in his heart. We're speaking truth. We're saying to our heart, hey, I looked into my heart and it is rotten. And to the core, it is bad. And then we confess it to the Lord. We say, we don't call the Lord a liar. We call ourselves sinners, and so in that regard, we are people of integrity. We are blameless in that way, as we are we are owning the faults that we have, the the, the sins that we commit. We are owning them and speaking truth in our hearts about them, not trying to deceive ourselves. This is one of my pet peeves. I I don't like the you know, sort of the Disney princess sort of a follow your heart, follow your dreams theology that the pop culture likes to give us. I would tell everybody listening, don't follow your heart. It will not make you happy. <laughs> follow Christ's heart. Follow Christ. Mm. And in that in that way, you'll be sincere, and you'll be honest. When you look into your heart, you should see a sinner looking back at you. And in that way, you have good integrity. So don't let this verse two bump you off the road. You're still in the tent, my friend. Um, if you're confessing your sins to the Lord and you're allowing him um, to speak into you and not denying his word, right? I and mean, not allowing, he's, he's doing it, but uh, he's speaking his truth to you. Uh, you will be a faithful person, a sincere person, a person with integrity, uh, not sinless, but repentant and owning your sins and therefore getting rid of them. And in that way, you're connected to Christ who was blameless and who is the truth, the way the truth and the life and who gives you his heart. As we look at this, now
0: two, uh, uh, keep going. No, okay, keep going. I didn't well, I was, know if you were was, stopping there. Keep going. I no, like
1: sorry, I, just, I had to take a pause Like so I shifted shift to verse 3 because I want to talk to thank you. Sorry, Pastor. No, I love it. I love it. Um, so as we shift to verse 3 or kind of move into verse 3, we kind of get some details of what that looks like. Yeah, right. right? Uh, the person who does not slander with his tongue. This is now we, the whole psalm the whole is about, is about uh, the third commandment, but now we're clearly in eighth commandment territory, right? We're not supposed to, to slander our neighbor, but we're supposed to speak kindly about our neighbor. We're not supposed to do evil to our neighbor. We're not supposed to harm him. And we're not supposed to, to insult or reproach or, or you know speak down or cut down our, our friend. These, are the, these, these things are, are sort of simple, very simple, but they're also things that we do very easily. They're very common. I mean, it, it, you can probably look at James, for the most clear language of, of how disastrous the tongue is and how out of control it gets, even for us Christians. We, we slander with our tongue all the time. Another example, to answer the, the entry, intro question of why should we pray the Psalms, well, because when I try to use my tongue unharnessed by Christ, liberated just unto myself, it's going to end up doing some, some damage. It's going to end up slandering. It's going to do some harm can even reproach it makes me think this uh, this verse here take up reproach against this friend um this b- reproach in my heart is that gray i could quickly end up praying like a pharisee i could see myself not being truthful to my own heart as in verse 2 but seeing myself as some holier than thou guy. like oh i'm a pastor or oh i'm a christian i'm a lutheran uh, uh, i am Missouri Synod lutheran and aren't i great hmm. At least I'm not like that other type of Lutheran, or at least I'm not like that other person out there, or at least, right? we got the tax collection and the Pharisee thing going on here. But when we think of the Eighth Commandment and, and not slandering with our tongue, we, we don't pray like that. We put everything in the kindest way possible. We are builder, builders up, not terrorists down. We are those who are, are looking at all of our neighbors, Those people who we are tempted to slander, who we want to do evil toward, harm toward, who we're we're tempted to reproach. And we see them as people who died, who who, who Christ has died for, excuse me. People who the Lord sees as his lovely children that he wants to rescue. Not as people worthy of slander, evil, and reproach. But the the next verse, as we move into verse 4, people who need to be honored. I don't know, Pastor. You want to read verse four? Yeah, so let's can do move it.
0: That direction? Verse four. I'm, right. I'm loving the progression. Verse four. In whose Perfect. eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Now, Pastor, I'm going to write down a question right now I have for you, but I want you to keep going. Specifically, Perfect. I want to be looking at in whose eyes a vile person is despised but you run with your thought and then i'll ask the question later so i just want to take take time to write this down go
1: ahead yeah absolutely so we have here we shift to what we are to do we're to uh, honor people who fear the lord we are to we are to despise um the evil person despise the person um or the person who's despised by the lord we should say i think this is this is more of a, we are to look out and say, okay, that person is sinning. I recognize that as sin. And so it, you know, instead of slandering that person, doing evil to that person or reproaching that person, I am going to see that person as the Lord does. I am going to hate that thing that is being done as the Lord hates Revelation 1.6, right? Uh, one thing you have going for you is that you hate the Nicolaitans as I do, this kind of thing. That's not very common language. We don't talk like that very often. Uh, especially in our politically correct society, we're not supposed to hate anything, right? are supposed to love everything, uh, especially with a love that has no definition. It just means, you know, whatever makes you happy. But true love, for the Christian, we know this. We learn this through the Psalms and through the Gospels and all of Scripture. The true love actually stops someone from doing something that is bad. Actually says, no, 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 you, you shouldn't be doing that. That's, that's really harmful for you. Do you not know that that's harmful for you? Can I help you? Instead of, instead of, uh, flandering you and giving you reason to despise me in my sin, I am going to do everything I can to speak well of you and to be able to help you get off of that, that dangerous path so that you're not a vile person, so that you're not despised by the Lord, rejected by our God. But I am going to aim for your good and for, and for mine to be one who honors those who fear the Lord. And so I'm not going to endorse your sin, but I am going to promote faithful, sound Christian actions and teachings as I see them. And this is something we can always be working at to do better. I think that the the LCMS is good at this. We're good at this as as Orthodox Christians, but we do want to hold to that which uh, honors those who fear the Lord. We don't want to, to sort of sanctify sinful behavior in our world, and we have an abundance of it, abundance of it going on right now, it'd be very easy to not make waves and try to just let things go by and, you know, to each his own. Well, no, to each his own is directly contrary to verse four. No, I'm not called to say let's agree to disagree or to each his own or uh, if it makes you happy or, you know, mileage may vary, this sort of thing. No, that's subjective and that's, that's a cop-out. I'm actually called as a Christian to objectively recognize that, that behavior is sinful. Now, I'm also called in patience and love to bear with my brother and to speak to them in a way that's going to help get them away from that sentiment. And so we don't, this isn't permission to be a jerk. It's not permission to just lambast people. But at the same time, and that's not the greater temptation. I think this, this is the greater temptation. At the same time, we're not to sit back on our laurels and do nothing. And that's what we're tempted to do because none of us like confrontation. None of us like tension. None of us like to fight. We, we like to just make peace, right? And we're supposed to be peacemakers. Mm-hmm. But let's not confuse making peace with uh, inaction, right? And, and not identifying things for what they are. As Lutherans, we do a great job of this too. and I love being a Lutheran because we call a thing what it is. Right? Call a spade a spade. And that's not unloving. In fact, it's the most loving thing we can do. If I see my son doing something sinful, I would be an unloving father if I said nothing and let him go on doing it. But if I called him out on it, as per my vocation, in appropriate language according to my vocation, and that will vary from vocation to vocation, if I call him out on it, that is that is the act of loving him. He may not like to hear those words, but he is being loved by me despite his feelings toward those words. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change is the last sentence there, a section of the of the verse. And this is uh, re- referencing, you know, the old um, the laws that we get. We get a number thirty. What is it? I wrote it down here. Two thirty-two. Right. We get this uh, oath language. How we swear oaths. And this is something that. We don't realize, but we're sitting on the shoulders of so many people. that, that w- Our culture is, is normed by this, although it's drifting away right now. But our word, basically, to sum up these words, our word is Christians. As those who want to you know, dwell on the holy hill and sojourn in the tent, our word is to be like God's word. We are to keep it. God is faithful. He keeps his promises, even to his own hurt. Who does that make you think of? Mm. Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus. God made a promise. Genesis 3.15. Jesus is the seeing seeing through of that promise. And yes, it was to his own hurt. It was very much so, to his own hurt. And we are to be that way too. This is, is again, integrity. The blameless, the connection is directly to the blameless, blamelessly that we hear in verse 2 and the speaking truth in his heart. If you're gonna just you say you're gonna do something, you should do it, even to your own detriment. Which maybe would help us with our uh, flandering tongue, with our loose tongue, because it will help us all to not say things. <laughs> Don't say too much too fast. Maybe stop for a second, and think about it before you commit to it, especially before you swear to your own hurt. We see this. This is what got uh, this is why John the Baptist got beheaded. Right? Um, he ended up losing his head because. Or admit swore sworn oath. We, we see this in the old world. This is a common thing in the old world. Uh, now, the common thing in our world is, to, you know, there's no such thing as keeping your word. Everything's subjective, and there's always justification for why you don't have to do what you said you're going to do. Well, that's making a horrible testimony to the world about who your God is if you're a Christian. Well, none of us want to live that way. We want to, when we, when we say what we're going to do, when we say we believe something, even if it means... You were martyred, fed to the lion, burned to the stake. We hold to it because it's true. And because our word is there, and our word is rep- replication of Christ's word, is an echo of God's word.
0: Now, Pastor, as we look at this, the words that I saw in verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, is a reminder for us that people are not always going to want to see someone working are living blamelessly with their words. They don't want to be around mm-hmm. the person who's not slandering others, you know, while they're going at it with somebody else. Um, and they're, they, they they don't like to see that, and especially when truth is proclaimed. Now, Pastor, in your own context, you've had a few moments in your congregation where you've proclaimed some truth and the healing truth of, of the gospel, and that's kind of brought some despising. Do you want to share a little bit about that as we um, hear these words? Oh, here? sure
1: yeah it'd be my pleasure uh it was learning experience for all of us here so maybe it'll help be a learning experience for someone else somewhere else um yeah we had a on our church marquee we put up a sign a series of signs asking a question much like you know questions question at the beginning of here trying to invoke some some thought and the series was hurt by blank culture healing here so we're right on an intersection people drive by all the time busy intersection for our small town and That sign gets a lot of attention. And so we wanted to let people know if you've been hurt by a culture and we're going to tell you what that culture was, you know, fill it in, fill in the blank. This is a place of healing. And so we started with things like, you know, hurt by divorce culture. As a child of divorce, I know that hurts. Children can go through pain. The spouses go through pain. Uh, (laughs) Nieces and nephews don't like divorce. I mean, it, it affects everybody. So there's a place where you can go and you can get healing. Well, we put up one in the series, we put up hurt by LGBTQ culture healing here. And you would have thought I set a fire to Ferndale. We had a protest. There was around a hundred people out here. This is all during June, um, which is the the pride month, according to the the state. Um, And so we had a protest. It was, it was even published in the newspaper as the first historic um, pride parade in Ferndale. And they even, you know, gave props to St. Mark for starting it <laughs> mm. um, and, and this sort of thing. But, and there was a lot of, you know, we were vandalized five times each time increasing, you know, more and more damage um, to the sign, always the sign, trying to trying to wipe out the words and the expression of God's love uh, started with something like also thrown on it, but it ended with spray paint. Uh, we got many, many uh, hurtful and angry and evil, uh, emails and messages, uh, website comments, Facebook comments, all the, everywhere where people could openly comment. We were just being called to task for being hateful and bigots and and homophobic and all the different words that you know people want to use. But also, um, people spread uh, many vile things. We we were infiltrated. I use this language on purpose. Infiltrated by a spy. Um, the week after, someone came saying he supported us and he was recording everything. He, then he edited my sermon, took out all the gospel parts, kept all the law and uh, sent it to the newspapers and let it, let everybody know how evil we were and, and, and how horrible and closed-minded. Uh, all because we didn't endorse the LGBTQ culture. I asked one of the members at the protest, is there anything I could have put on this sign with these five letters, anything at all, you know, with without fully endorsing it, without endorsing it at all. Anything that would run contrary to the ma- narrative in the land that would not have resulted in this. And the gay man said, "No, you have you have to be on board here. Like, what are you doing?" So they did not want to hear the truth about vile behavior. In whose eyes a bio person is despised? The, the, the Lord despises the sins of the LGBTQ culture. And we didn't come out gun blazing. We just offered healing to anybody who might be stopping there who may have suffered some sort of hurt from that culture. Maybe it was a grandmother who didn't understand why her grandson wanted to be gay or came out of the closet as a girl or all these different kind of things. I don't, I don't want to make it lighthearted. It's not yeah. a very serious issue. Yeah. But, I mean, the hurt isn't just the people immediately in it. It could be anyone. Uh, it could be a spouse, a son, a sibling. I mean, all the vocations, right? And so, all we were doing was offering healing to those particular people. If you're not hurt by it, well, this is America. Just put your foot on the gas pedal and drive away. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Well, that they weren't going to let that happen. They needed to let us know it was not right, and they tried to shut us down. Um, they even we had a number of city council meetings where they tried to ban the sign. They tried to prohibit the kind of language that was on the sign. Um, I had to make three different appearances at the city council to defend the right of free speech and all these sorts of things. So when you speak up, even with a eighth commandment tone in your voice, the world's not going to like it. We're told that in other parts of scripture, we are to be ready in season and out of season. Um, the wicked do not want to hear. I mean, reading Proverbs, right? You got the, the wise woman and you, you have the, uh, the adulterous woman. And, and, and throughout that language in there, you you the, the evil does not want to stop and listen to the wisdom of, of the Lord throughout the book of Proverbs. It wants us to embrace the wicked. We can't. We can't. We have to honor what the Lord says. We honor those who fear the Lord. It's a sad state. You know, We even had a, a number of Christians in town, people who call themselves Christians, and people who call themselves Lutheran of the, you know, the ELCA, they were right here for full force in the protest, trying to trying to yell me out of, of uh, a, an audience. Someone asked me, can you show me in Scripture? This was not a question by, by someone in that culture. Can you show me from Scripture where this is wrong? And as I opened up the Bible to try to show, a, a left-leaning Lutheran woman yelled at me to silence me. She would not let me speak. And as I tried to speak, and I, as I kindly asked her to please stop and let me talk to this man and answer his question, she started yelling at him, don't listen, don't listen. It was craziness, craziness, brother. Wow. Um, but the world is never going to want to hear us. This is this is more evidence. This is more, um, one more little added push of why we are called, and we are told explicitly here in this psalm, but it also like in Revelation 1-6, as I referenced, uh, we are we are called to see sin and the vileness of this world the same way Christ does, the same way our God does. The more we sort of beat around the bush with it, the more we leave it be, the more we we try to dress it up with justifications or even, you know, whatever, we're aiding that fire. We are called to speak against it. We're called to think against it. We're called to pray against it. And and for today's topic, right, praying the psalm, That's the number one thing. um, Well, not number one thing, but that's one of the primary things in this psalm that we can learn is to, we're literally praying, Lord, help me despise what you you despise Mm. and help me honor what you are. Because then I'll be more like you. And that's my goal, because I want to be in the holy hill where you are. I want to be in the tent of Christ. That's what I want. So help me to do that. And that's not a popular message. I think we all know that today. But as we hold to our, our sound doctrine, again, that word blamelessly, right? It can be translated sound. Mm-hmm. As we hold to sound doctrine, that's why that's why we are such wet blankets in the Missouri Synod. <laughs> I say that proudly. <laughs> because that wet blanket means I'm trying to do what, what Scripture says and not what the world says is cool and relevant. I'm trying to be sound and blameless, a, a person of integrity. And to do that, we can't endorse what God denounces, which actually uh, leads me to another little thing here. We have this beautiful catechetical or confessional statement here. We, in the confessions, we, we not only affirm right behavior, but we denounce bad behavior. Mm. That's exactly what this psalm is doing.
0: So, Pastor, as we look at this, we have about a minute and a half left. Verse five I'll read. And then if you have something to share there, share and then give, give us kind of a a general understanding. And you've been doing this throughout a general understanding of this Psalm and encouraging our listeners. So verse five, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved about 30 seconds. Anything you have on verse five?
1: Yes. Well, this is, you know, we're now getting into the, uh, the opposite of what we're supposed to do. So this interest language is interesting. We're not to put out our money with a bite. It's kind of how you can translate that directly mm-hmm. from the Hebrew. We're not to do something that's going to look like we're helping and then it's going to hurt someone. Oh, and there's all the, you know, yeah. the end, the ending commandments there all ring true, right? Don't try to do something in a dishonest way. You mm-hmm. look like the hero, but really <laughs> there's a sting at it. But instead we are to be helpers of the innocent. We're not to, take bribes against them. We're to help the poor, the innocent, the people who need our help, as Christ does, right? Again, always focusing on Christ. And by doing this, this person, we, the Christian, you, the Christian out there, will never be moved. You will never be upended or toppled or, or shaken. Remember, we're climbing a hill. You'll never fall down. You'll never lose traction. You'll, you'll keep on that right way, and you'll be in that tent all the way through.
0: How would you encourage our listeners with this wonderful psalm today?
1: I would encourage them to, to pray it, to focus in on what the destination is. Focus in on that question. Pray that question. Oh Lord, who shall well live sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? And the answer, my friends, the answer is Christ does. And so you shall. You shall dwell on the holy hill of the Lord. He has bought you, paid for you, brought you with Him. You're there already, and you will be there. At the end of time.
0: Pastor Tywall Bramwell of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California, giving us God's strong word and 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 strong one word and study and prayer from Psalm 15. Excuse me, Pastor mm. Bramwell. Thank you for bringing us his gifts.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.